0: I pray for peace, Lord, and and patience, Lord, and protection uh, for us here in Pinedale and Sublette County, and and across our nation. We ask that you would stop this COVID nineteen from spreading. That uh, you would help us to uh, come back to health as a nation. But Lord, even more so, I pray for our spiritual. Our our spiritual lives, our souls, Lord. That you would revive our country. That you would turn people to you by the millions, Lord. That that we would have a revival, Lord. And you can do this. And I know that you're uh, bringing up uh, into all of our thinking um, the the curse that's on this earth. And why is it there, Lord? You tell us because of our sin and rebelling against you and. And so, Lord, help um, millions to come to you during this time, this worldwide pandemic. Lord, we pray for your uh, hand on our worship and on the preaching of your word this morning, that you would be glorified, that you would bless each family that's listening and watching, Lord, and that you would stir our hearts, that you would refresh us. Lord, we need refreshment. We need encouragement in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: All right, good morning. So, wherever you are, however you're enjoying your morning, get your heart right and let's uh, worship God together as uh, we prepare for a wonderful, beautiful Sunday. Continue to sing along and uh, praise God. Um, as we're sitting at home and we're by ourselves, remember we're still together. The Holy Spirit's in us. He's around us. If you're a believer, he's in your heart and he guides what we do. So uh, don't be bashful. Stand in your robe, stand up and sing and uh, it's all good. I'm not the only For, uh Pastor Jim to bring the word to us this morning. Um, I've been thinking a little bit this week about our, our heart and the nature of the Holy Spirit being in us and working through us. And if you are a believer, regardless of where you're at or where you go to church or if you like old or new or whatever that might be. Um, when we open ourselves to Christ on a daily basis and let him live and work in us. Um That's how we reflect His glory. So, in this moment, close your eyes, open your heart, and let the Spirit in that you may reflect His glory this week as we go out. the word.
0: Thank you, worship team. This was uh, really good. I really appreciate the songs that we sang. They fit directly into what I'm going to be preaching on this morning. So thank you, worship team. And we've got some cardboard people up here for me to preach to, so that's nice. The Smith family has their cardboard people and uh yep we 're going to display those and and then <laughs> and then Benson has his family uh, in segments, so here 's who i 'm preaching to this morning, and uh, we've got um yeah, here we go the Nance family where he's he 's dropping his kids uh, and messing he 's messing them up right now, but here we go. Here's our uh, congregation this morning here in the service, so if you want to bring your family and drop them off this week, uh, um, you're, you're encouraged to, and at least I have someone to preach at, and, and I like it that they're all smiling and that there's no one asleep, so that's, that's really good. Um, and there's no kids, um, you know, crying or anything like that. So that's really nice, but I appreciate the thought and that's, that's kind of fun. So we're going to have a quick word of prayer and we're going to get into God's word. Lord, thank you for this morning. Uh, May we, um, glorify you. May I glorify you and be filled with your Holy Spirit and speak your truth accurately and powerfully, uh, that you may convict our hearts, encourage our hearts, Lord, we're living in a tough time right now, and we just ask that you would buoy us up spiritually, that we would end this um, hour with great joy and um, bolstered up to face, face this coming week. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So close yet so far, that's the title of today's message, and and I got this little phrase from uh, a Frankie Valley song, My Eyes Adore You, and, and I think uh, um, it was also sung by um, other artists. But it's about a childhood friendship that never developed into the wished-for love. Um, and so, so close yet so far. Well, uh, maybe uh, you felt like this in other areas. I sh- sure have. Like six weeks ago when I wanted to sell a stock... And and then it, I got, kind of got talked out of it, and it was kind of at its high point. It was at its high point, and, and I was like, well, maybe wait a little while longer. Well, six weeks later, it's worth half of what it was back then. Um, and then, or, you know, so close yet so far, this hunting season, um, I came around this tree, and there were two elk just like. Thirty yards away, they were too close. I did not expect it, and I was in shock and, and and that split split second it took for me to uh, raise my rifle that one second cost me the elk i didn 't squeeze the trigger, and so i 'm meatless this year, no elk meat and and of all years, not to have elk meat, this is it you know not not a good year but But so close, you know, you know, just a split second away, just some decision away, and and yet so far the ramifications have impact for a longer term. Well, this in a much more serious way uh, applies in the spiritual realm. So, uh, the stats say that 86% of the world's population is religious. In other words, 14% is atheist or or non-declared; they don't uh, identify with any religion. So, 86% of the world's population is religious, and and this kind of goes with um, that saying, uh, well, that truth in Ecclesiastes that says eternity is in the heart of man. So, there's this desire. Uh, and this knowledge that there must be something more beyond this earth. There's there's something true, a spiritual realities. Um, so of this 86% of the world's population that is religious, 29.6% of it um, is Christian. They declare themselves to be Christian. Now this involves not only the Christianity that we think of, but all denominations, it also involves the cults get lumped into this, uh, 29.6%. So of that 29.6%, only 25% of those are evangelical. So we'll say uh, uh, of the world's population, 7.5% of the world's population is evangelical. Now, I'm not saying that all evangelicals are true believers, nor am I saying that only evangelicals are believers. So please keep this in mind. Um, But evangelicals generally focus on a relationship with Jesus. So so eternity in the heart of man, so close yet so far. Today we're going to look at three points. Those three points are these. Religiosity in the In the past and the present. Religiosity in the past and the present. The second point is true religion is inside out. True religion is inside out. Just like the song we just sang, um, inside out. And then the third point is true religion is relationship. True religion is relationship with Christ. And so we're going to start by looking at Matthew chapter 23. Religiosity in the past and the present. So, in the week between the triumphal entry of Jesus and his resurrection, in between that week, those two Sundays, Jesus confronted the most religious people of his day, the Pharisees. They were part of God's chosen nation, they had the Old Testament, the Old Covenant given by God, and they scrupulously tried to follow it. They added their rabbinical laws or traditions in the Talmud and the Mishnah uh, to God's law to define it and create a boundary of laws to keep people from breaking God's laws. They successfully kept out idolatry, which had been a bane to Israel um, during the course of the nation. They were formed in 160 B.C. 160 B.C. is when the Pharisees uh, started. And they started uh, to purify the nation spiritually and to keep idolatry out. And they did keep idolatry out. They were, they were purists. They were uh, separatists from the ritual impurities and from irreligious ir- Jews. Along with them, there were the scribes, those who scrupulously studied and copied the scriptures letter by letter. They knew God's word intimately. They were the biblicists of the day. And it is these groups that Jesus attacked, these very religious groups, the Pharisees and the scribes, the week of his crucifixion and resurrection, so Matthew chapter 23 in verses 1, 1 through 3, we'll read a few verses here. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, oh, and by the way, get your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible um, you know, right next to you, run and get it now. We're in Matthew chapter 23 in verse 1. It says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but do not practice. So the Pharisees are said that uh, Jesus says they don't practice what they preach. And, And so he's going to really give some scathing judgments on this group that was esteemed as the most religious group, the most righteous group of the day. And here he targets them and says they don't practice what they preach. And then in verse 4, it says they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So the second point that what the Pharisees did is they burdened people with, with rules Legalisms massive obligations that were oppressive so they burdened people with laws that were oppressive that went far beyond God's intent and they focused on on these laws their interpretation of God's word and made them that a law to themselves and so uh, they would come up with different laws I've got a picture here Um, it doesn't look that significant I mean the significance seems to be the Sea of Galilee right there, and that is significant. But you'll see a white pole, a white pole there. That is a Sabbath marker. I never knew they had this, but this is a Sabbath marker outside, outside the city of Tiberius. And so our guide said, "Oh yeah, around every city they have this, these markers and a fence, a fence line." Just a wire that goes around, so people know that that 's as far as they can go on the Sabbath. We'll see back in Jesus' day, they counted out the steps. they said you can, you can walk three thousand steps on the Sabbath day, and that won't be considered work. Um, three thousand steps, but then they've made little loopholes. Well, you could go three thousand steps to that tree there and 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 stop. And then you could go another 3,000 steps. And so they made all these intricate laws trying to define what was work and not work on the Sabbath day. And, and developing little loopholes um, that could possibly make it uh, so they could go farther. Um, and, and then back to our text in verse 5. It says, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they loved the the place of honor at feasts and the best of the seats in the synagogues and greeting in the marketplaces. So they wanted public recognition and respect. And so it talks about phylacteries and long fringes. Phylacteries were little leather boxes on their foreheads that would have um, a little tiny copy of Of the laws. In particular the Shema. Hear O Israel. The Lord your God. The Lord is one. Um, And so they would have that. On their forehead. Because way back in Deuteronomy. God had commanded. For people to keep the law on their foreheads. And on the doorposts of their houses. Um, And so. They made up these things. To to literally put. The law on their foreheads. Well they also had these. Um, these tassels um, on their garments. And I've got some pictures from our time in Israel um, of these. This is still being practiced today. These are two Jewish guys in the um, courtyard outside of the Wailing Wall. um, And they are going to their class, that they hold Jewish classes there. And uh, you'll notice, and I've got another picture here that Steve took You'll notice their long sideburns there. They have these long sideburns. And if you look underneath the, the coat there, you can see hanging out are these tassels. Well, underneath their coats, they wear this kind of vest um, with four tassels on the corners of, of, of their, their garment. And this is following Numbers fifteen thirty seven through 40, again, of reminding the people to have tassels that would remind them of God's Word and His law. And so today, they're still practicing. Them. We, when our flight back from Israel to New York, um, our plane was loaded with people dressed like this. And, and it was so interesting because it was almost as if the Scripture was still being carried out today. Well, it is. It is, and it was incredible to see that there are Jewish people and within the Orthodox Jews that still follow these um, things that the, that the Pharisees were following in Jesus' day. <clears throat> so it came to life. It's like, wow, well, here we are. They're still doing this and thinking by doing this that they are going to be spiritual and, and pleasing God. Um, That this is their effort to please God. Well, as I read down through here, it talks, um, we're going to skip to verses 13 through 15. It says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, um, appearing one way to people. When, and it means, hypocrites means two-faced, appearing one way to people on the outside, but on the inside not being that at all. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, um, for you travel across sea and land to make one single proselyte, And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. So, the other thing that uh, Jesus points out to them is, is that they travel across oceans to win a convert while closing the door to God's kingdom. In other words, they proselytized yet shut the door to heaven. They hindered people from salvation. They kept people from God. And instead the people would be focused on all these laws that they had made and and that they were seeking to curry God's favor with these many laws in the Talmud and the Mishnah. Well, In verse 24, it says, it calls them blind guides. And in and, and, and verse 16, we're going to read verse uh, 16 through 24 right now. It says, So whoever swears by the the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dell and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And so, Jesus calls them blind guides. They were blind guides. Straining gnats while swallowing camels. Well, what did? What does that mean? Well, Jesus brings it out. They look for loopholes. They made loopholes in what... They would make oaths by so if they made an oath by the temple and not the gold that 's in the temple they could they could not keep their word, they could get away with um, not fulfilling their word on that, but if they swore by the gold of the temple, then they had to keep their word and 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 then with tithes, they would tithe they they'd get those little spices out, and they'd Take one little leaf of spice out for God and, and count them out, and then nine leaves for themselves. I mean, they were scrupulous in that, and yet they ignored justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So they strained gnats while swallowing camels. They, they focused on the minutiae, but they missed the big, the big stuff. In verse 25 through 28, it says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Now, keep in mind, these were the most religious people of the day, the most zealous people of the day. And Jesus is, is pronouncing woe on them because of what they were doing. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, two-faced. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup. And the plate. That the outside also may be cleaned. And then he talks about whitewashed tombs. The same idea. The outside. The Jews would paint with uh, white. So they wouldn't stumble on a tomb. So they were obvious. So people would go around them. And, and it, looked, it looked fairly nice. These tombs painted white. But inside they're full of bones. And so. What the Pharisees would do. They clean the outside, outside. While the inside was full of sin. They clean the outside. While the inside is full of greed. Lust hypocrisy and lawlessness. So they. looked good. Outwardly. On the surface. But inside. They were full of sin. And. In Matthew fifteen nine, Jesus said uh, that their heart was far from them. Their heart, their heart was far from God. Though they were zealous in all these rules and regulations, their heart was far from God. And in 25 through 28, um, actually, I, I already read that. I'm sorry about that. But today, you know, there's, there in Jerusalem... It's arguably, 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 there we are, Um, it is arguably the most religious city in the world, Jerusalem is. So you have the Jews there, they're so close, and yet so far, still. The Muslims, there's minarets all through the city, in the Muslim neighborhoods, um, and, and, the team got woken up, everyone but me because i couldn 't hear sometimes it 's good to have hearing loss, but the team would get woken up by the call to prayer and and um, and and they would pray out and and the faithful Muslims would get down, kneel down, and pray um, and so very religious the Muslims you know they have their their five periods of prayer during the day i think it 's five uh, that um, that they were supposed to get down and and pray um, at that point. So all this, all, as we are traveling through Israel, um, there were those uh, prayer towers, and then um, and then um, and and by the way, we have a picture of that. We we have a picture of the monuments, and so you you have the Temple Mount here, and and on the Temple Mount uh, there's that gold gold dome, which is a monument on on the Dome of the Rock. Um, so they have that, and, and um, as you're looking at it to your left, there is a mosque right there on the temple grounds, and and so they're very religious. And then if you look around, if you could see this picture really closely, you could spot uh, these prayer towers that are right there in Jerusalem. Very re- very religious. And then as you walk around Jerusalem, you find there's churches, there's churches. Um, and some of them are just very spectacular. Here is uh, some murals on one of the churches, and and this is the church uh, right right at the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's some awesome murals. We went in that church; they were having a service, and we're taking pictures. This is a cross uh, with a stained glass within that within that church. And these churches are old; they're Christian churches. Uh, most of them are that we went to were Roman Catholic churches and some Eastern Orthodox, but there 's Christians there in Jerusalem oh, but only two percent of Jerusalem only two percent of Israel is Christian, and of that there 's such a small, small percentage of of evangelical Christians. And, it, and you know I, I just wonder. They're, they're so close. You know the Catholics and all. They, they believe in Jesus. Um, the Eastern Orthodox. They believe in the true Jesus. But I wonder how much. Of uh, the rituals and all. Um, overshadow. Um, in this religiosity. Overshadow relationship with Jesus. Where was the. True inside genuine faith. I felt a real spiritual darkness in in the Holy Land, interestingly enough, the place where Jesus walked, where the disciples walked, where Abraham um, journeyed to, where there, Moses uh, came to and, and, and um, brought the promise uh, brought the people to the promised land i uh, so much history, so much of god 's work in this land and yet and yet though all the trappings are there. There seemed to be a spiritual darkness. You know, this religiosity. Uh, sometimes we we confuse that sincerity is what saves a person. That, you know, hey, a sincere Muslim, a, a sincere uh, Jewish person, um, a sincere Hindu. Well, you know surely God will let them in, because they were sincere, though they were wrong. But sincerity doesn't get it. If it did, Jesus wouldn't have confronted the Pharisees as he did, because they were very sincere. They were, they were very zealous, the most zealous people um, in the day. And yet Jesus confronted them and said they're leading people to hell, that they themselves are going to hell, and they're leading others there. You see, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then um, we find out in Scripture it says um, that that it's all about truth. Um, You know, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Not your sincerity will set you free. You see, these non-truths, these these religious, Religious things that we add onto our lives that are apart from Scripture do nothing to make us spiritual, do nothing to draw us closer to God. So this one I want to move on to our, our next point is true religion is inside out. True religion is inside out. So James uses the term true religion in James 1:26. And and here. Uh, James defines what true religion is. It says in verse 26, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So uh, the focus is on a clean heart, a pure heart, focuses on a clean heart resulting in a clean mouth and helping the needy, you see, pure and undefiled, that isn't lived for other people's praises, but is to uh, live to help those who can't give back, help others who can't give back. And it is not to be tainted by the world's sin. So this was true religion as defined by James. And if we look at Matthew chapter fifteen and eleven, Matthew Matthew fifteen and chapter uh, chapter fifteen and verse eleven, uh, Jesus was uh, he and his disciples. His disciples were confronted because they didn't wash hands before they ate. Now this was a ceremonial washing, and, and here in the U.S. right now we're big into washing hands. I have never washed my hands so much as now, and it's not to be spiritual; it is to keep free from COVID-19. My hands are are just trashed because of that antibacterial wash that I use sometimes. But but the disciples were confronted by the Pharisees because they the the disciples weren't washing ceremoniously, and so they were breaking in the. Pharisees and rulers eyes they were breaking God's law um, spiritually speaking and and so Jesus in answering back to this in 1511 says this he says it is not what it all start in verse 10 actually and he called the people to himself and said to them hear and understand it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person but what comes out of the mouth this defiles a person And so then he goes on in verse 19, he tells what he's talking about here, Um, and actually we'll start a little bit before in verse 16, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, Theft, false witness, slander, these are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And so it, it brings out what's in the heart. That is where sin starts and resides. That evil comes from our heart. Evil comes from our heart. In, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 through 10, uh, this is a passage talking of salvation um, how are we saved? In Romans uh, ten nine and 10, and I referred to this last week as well. But it says this. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so it talks about the heart. The heart... It's with the heart we believe, the heart, the seed of our affections and our, um, our will. With our will, with our, our desires, we trust Jesus as our Savior. And so that's where salvation resides, by believing. Uh, so salvation comes by believing in our hearts, resulting in justification. It starts inside out. And it's like this all the way through Scripture. It doesn't just begin like that with a Christian, with you trusting Jesus. I mean, you didn't have to do anything to earn salvation. Remember, even baptism, that doesn't, that doesn't save you. It's your believing that saved you. And then baptism is just an expression of your salvation that you have received um, um, in receiving Jesus. So that has nothing to do... Um, in actually saving you, it's a testimony that you have been saved. So this belief in our heart it results in us confessing to others that, hey, I've received Jesus. But um, if we look at Second Corinthians chapter three, it talks about, hey, it continues. Our faith continues with this inside out, our our true belief, our true heart's desire our true following Jesus in our heart and our affections being surrendered to him will work its way out in our actions, We're, will work its way out in our thoughts. So Second Corinthians 3.3, 3, um, here's what it says here. It says, And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so this is comparing to the law that was external written on tablets of stone. And in the new covenant, in in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33, it talks about that God would write his law on our hearts, no longer external, but internal now. And, And it goes on in this passage in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 now. It says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ, through God. That not we are sufficient, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from, our, from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Hey, all these works of the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, to, to please God, to earn God's favor, to protect His law and to follow His law zealously, those were coming from their efforts, and here it says, we're not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. Our adequacy comes from God. It's, it's Him that makes us spiritual. It's Him that enables us to love one another. It's Him that enables us to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then if we skip down to verse 17 in Second Corinthians 3, it says... Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, the Holy Spirit, who, who resides in our spirit. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so it talks about being transformed, and this word transformed is metamorphosis. And it's the same word that science gets how a um, caterpillar uh, goes into a cocoon and metamorphosizes into a beautiful butterfly. And so it talks about that God is transforming us, metamorphosizing us, um, changing us from the inside out. And we are becoming more and more glorious, just like that caterpillar becomes a beautiful butterfly We believers, God is changing us in our hearts, and our inner desires. And he is making us more and more Christ-like, which is glorious. He is making us for what we were called to be, that we would glorify God with everything that we have. And that is the work of God, the Holy Spirit, that is doing that within our lives. Our final point this morning is true religion, is relationship with Christ. And so we've looked at, Religiosity in the past and the present we've we've then moved on and looked at true religion is inside out And now we look at true religion is relationship with christ and I want to look at matthew chapter 11 and We're going to just kind of camp out in matthew chapter 11 right now just a little bit with our remaining time matthew 11 28 through 30 Um, and this is uh been a marker verse um, of our church for ever since we started, uh, Matthew 11:28 through 30, um, and uh, great verses to memorize as well. So it says here, "Come to me, all who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart." And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, find rest in Christ. Come to Christ. You see, most of the religious leaders of Jesus' day didn't receive Christ. They didn't accept Him. They relied on their heavy burden of rules to justify themselves of trying to earn God's favor. Meanwhile, Jesus said, Be coming to me. This is a present imperative um, and has this ongoing daily uh, pursuit. Be coming to me. It it emphasizes personal relationship with Christ. And then it says all. It's open to anyone and everyone. All. And it says who labor and are heavy labor. Who are heavy laden. This who labor is of the present participle. Who are laboring. And certainly in that day. They were laboring. Trying to stay in God's favor. All who are laboring. This word laboring means to toil. To be tired. To grow weary. Who are laboring. And then the next word is actually a perfect participle. Um, and having been heavy laden. So the one who is a present person every day laboring, laboring, uh, trying to to follow all these rules and regulations. Only count your steps um, on the Sabbath day. And do all of these laws. Wear that little box on your forehead. And have the tassels on your robes. And do all the sacrifices and wash your hands in just such a way. And, oh, be careful when you give an oath. If you really mean it, you've got to swear by the gold that's on the temple. And, oh, by the way, when you get those spices out, you've got to count out every tenth spice goes to the temple, goes to God. Yeah, rules after rules after rules. Aren't we tired of rules today? I mean, we just had to you know, oh is that six feet oh you you 're five and a half feet away. Move back, move back, and you keep moving back, and the person keeps coming towards you you know you, just, you know, all these rules you got the mask on and the grocery store and the gloves I do when I go you know uh, uh, you know trying to follow all these rules and and only ten i'm less than ten getting together, okay, you know, and oh we 've got nine we can 't have anyone else come. Rules. Okay, so those are rules that the government is instituted for good purposes. Um, but back then, there were rules. You had to follow all these rules to try to be right with God, and it was this heavy burden. Pass um, this this per, uh, perfect tense and have been heavy laden, burdened, loaded. Having been heavy laden, like a beast of burden, carrying out a whole elk on its back when that, when that horse should only be carrying at the most half an elk. But laden down, laboring, too heavy, too burdened, burdened beyond excess. And here it's in regard to its religious rules and demands And then Jesus says here, and I will give you rest. The I is emphasized. I myself will give you rest. It's emphasized in the Greek. I myself will give you rest. It's a future of promise, a future tense. This word uh, rest can be um, translated refresh or refreshment. I will give you refreshment. G- and and the focus is Jesus Himself. I myself again relationship with Christ. Well, and then it goes on and says, "Take take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. You see, a yoke was uh, put on." Uh, 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 an animal, a donkey, a horse, a mule to pull um, the plow behind it. And and Jesus says that his yoke that he puts on is light. It's lightweight. Now, backpacking, it's all about lightweight. And it costs money to get that light sleeping bag, that really light sleeping bag. But when sheep hunting... um, all us sheep hunting guys had, uh, you know, Scott Corwin was like, I've got my pack down to, I think at the time it was 27 pounds. It was like, what? And so we all, it's like, oh, get get the weight down, get the weight down. And, and it costs money to get that weight down. Uh, but it's like, oh, it's so much easier to carry this light weight. Um, I brought a couple backpacks here with me this morning. Um, When I went to Israel, I got this little lightweight pack. And this little lightweight pack, I mean, it's like a day pack. And uh, it would be really hard to take this overnight, though I hear that some do that nowadays. But, But this, I could probably put like maybe 15 pounds in. And um, I really liked it in Israel, and and I would like to backpack with it, but I can't get all my stuff in it. Meanwhile, my heavy burden that I have carried elk out with, um, not a half an elk, but a quarter of an elk is right here, and, and I've had up to 80 pounds, and 80 to 90 pounds in this. And how refreshing it is not to have to carry this, but instead... To carry this. You see this yoke. There is still service. We still serve the Lord. There is still a yoke. But it is easy. It is light. And and the burden is responsibility. There is still responsibility for Christians. Not to earn salvation. And the yoke isn't to earn salvation. But because we are saved. What do we do? We follow Jesus. And Jesus' yoke is. And burden is called to said to be easy and light, easy and light. Why? Because Jesus is gentle. Gentle means mild of disposition, and he's humble in heart. He is humble in heart, so he isn't a tyrant ruler saying you got to carry more, you got to do more, you got to pull more of your weight, and loading you down and coming up with other. Other rules and regs, you see, so our soul can be at rest because Jesus is gentle and humble of heart. He loves us. He's not a hard taskmaster. Now, again, I want to emphasize, we're not talking to earn God's favor here. This yoke and and this, this um, burden that is easy and light, we're not talking anything to do with salvation. We are saved totally by God's grace, and we live in God's grace. He gives us the Holy Spirit that energizes us to follow Him, to love other people. Sometimes it's not easy to love other people. Other people aren't so lovable sometimes, and yet the Holy Spirit empowers us. He energizes us to be able to love and to sacrificially help other people. It's not always easy to to go to church and have fellowship. Um, But the Holy Spirit enables us to do that and gives us the want to. Things that are good for our soul and that minister to other people. You see, we can be at rest. It says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And before that, you will find rest for your souls. Is your soul disturbed within you? Are you restless in your soul? Especially in this day when so many things that we enjoy have been taken away like sports, like money. Like social gatherings? Do you find yourself disturbed within? Well, Jesus promises rest. And, and it says in Romans chapter 5, 1 now we, ha- now we may have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Rest. It's peace. Shalom. A sense of well being with God that we have His favor because we are His children. You see, it's all about relationship, it's not what you wear. It's not the style of music that you listen to or that you sing in church. It's not your length of hair or how short or long it is or how much money you give or how many days a week you spend going to your church or or any of these things. It's about relationship. Now, as you grow in relationship, you will want to be with God's people. As you grow in relationship with Christ, you want to be in His Word. But see, some of you might might have come from a denominational background or, or a cult that, that focuses on you've got to give this much and they get, get how much you make and they require, they send you a bill essentially saying you will give this. And some of you have to have certain clothing when you come into um, a church building and your haircut a certain way and, and there's all these added expectations. Is that not like the Pharisees? Is that not like religiosity? And we get away from this relationship. Even within evangelical circles. We get away from the relationship. Even this morning when I was driving back from from the church here and opening things up. And going over my sermon. I was driving back. And I was thinking about all this to preach on. And then all of a sudden it, the Lord spoke to me, I, I believe. And said, well, uh, Jim, are you there? <laughs> it's like... Oh, yeah, Lord, I've been thinking about all these things to do and say. And and it's like calling me back to, Lord, it's you and me. It's relationship with Jesus. He is alive. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Uh, he walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. We sang that song, He Lives. How do we know He lives? He lives within my heart, that spiritual experience of knowing That I have a genuine walk with Him. And I have been genuinely saved by Christ. And I am now His child. Not that I deserve to be. Uh, If you match my life up with other people's lives, you can find flaws in my life and stuff. I'm not a perfect person. But Christ is in me. And He is changing me and transforming me from inside out. Do you have that relationship with Christ today you know I think that maybe some people are finding out that their religion isn't working for them they with all these things the props things that are propped up your life have been removed and and you find this emptiness in your soul you see eternity is in the heart of man as Ecclesiastes says and you find this emptiness that that's showing that there's a, a lack and that lack is a true peace with God in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and I just ask you, I, and I know I'm going against maybe generations in your family of, of saying that this is the truth. And, and, and if it doesn't match up with what Jesus said, the, the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of the New Testament, if it doesn't match up with that, I, I, I plead with you to, to come to Jesus, to receive him as your Savior, your personal Savior. But as many as received him, to those he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Let's look to the Lord right now. And if you pray with me this prayer, uh, Christians, please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I've struggled. I struggle with, with uh the challenges of today and I struggle with my flesh, but Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you give, that you've put within me that, and this relationship I have with you, Lord, thank you that you have, haven't left me, that you are with me and, and will guide me through the, the troubled waters of today. And I put my trust I, in you, Lord Jesus, I know that you will help me day by day. Lord, help me to depend on you and walk with you daily this week and and then, Lord, um, you know that there are people maybe listening who don't really know you, and I just um, lord i I ask that you would save them, that they would pray a meaningful prayer, something like this, saying, "Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose victorious over sin and death and lord jesus i I believe that, and I know I'm a sinner, and I am sorry for my sins, and I want to be saved. I believe in you, Jesus. Save me now. I confess my sins to you, Lord. Please deliver me from evil. And Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. Save me now. Thank you, Lord, that you see every heart, both here and abroad, and uh, you know those who have received you as Your savior, as their Savior. And Lord, we pray that they would experience your peace, your salvation, and, and your change of heart, and they'd be changed from glory to glory, metamorphosized, Lord, transformed by your Holy Spirit that comes into their life. And saves him and is empowered by your word that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Give us strength as we go through this day, this troubled day. Help us to be thankful to you, to praise you, to shine as a light for you, to reach out to those who are hurting, to show your love and to help them. To have true religion that is relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching, uh, Pine Bible Church and friends. And um, we are praying for you. We look forward to the day we, when we can get back together and fellowship together face-to-face. I love you all. Have a good day.